0: I know coming off of a coming off of an experience like we had last week at church where the Lord was just moving uh, in a I don't want to say the Lord was just moving in a mighty way because I believe he moves in a mighty way every time we' come together but he moved in a different way last week and just really ministered to all of us so it's real challenging sometimes to come back down from that and say, Lord, I want to do that again. I just want to sing and get, you know, drunk in the spirit all over again, and that's good. But this morning, the Lord wants to say some things to you uh, and impart some, uh, let me say it this way. The Lord wants to reveal some things to us about him. So that the next time we have a corporate meeting like that, you'll be able to get in a little deeper because you have a little more understanding about our Father. And that gives you a greater appreciation and a greater love for our Father. And therefore, you get a little more excited. You get a little more uh, crazy, if you will, in the spirit, if you want to. We come to church so much of the time and we treat everything as so formal. uh, Amen. Amen. Am I the only one that thinks like that sometimes? And so I met with the praise and worship team on Thursday, and, and uh, they were getting ready to rehearse, and I told them, I said, church has become so focused at times as a whole. I say church, not just us, but everybody. We have become so focused as a whole on format that we forget about content. Uh, we focus so much on, well, did the lights come on right? Did the words, can you see them? Uh, did the smoke, was it too smoky or not smoky enough? Everybody's like, well, where's the smoke? You know what I'm saying. Were, were the lights too bright or were they too dark? Uh, did we have too much going on or not enough? Were the singers in tune or were they out of tune? Or Were they together or were they not? Did they transition that song best or was it a little awkward? And I said to them, I don't care about any of that. Because I care about content. My my heart, and I believe the Lord's heart, the Father's heart, is for us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. All that other stuff will take care of itself. You can take the prettiest cake in the world. I can't remember who I said that to. I said that recently. We went to a, uh, there was an event, and it was two kinds of cakes. There was a homemade cake, and there was a store-bought cake. You can take a store-bought cake and dress it up, but at the end of the day, guess what? It's a store-bought cake. But there's something about a homemade cake. And it's not the icing. The icing is just on the cake. It's the cake. It's the substance. I'm more, God's more. I'm telling you this morning, him, your father, is more interested in the substance of your cake than the icing. Cain and Abel. This isn't any of my message. This is all free this morning. Okay, it's just coming up as we're talking. Cain and Abel. Uh, uh, Cain learned that the hard way. He gave him what he thought was his best, but Abel said, "I'm going to give you my best. I sacrifice the best." That's what he's after. He's after your heart. He's after your. He's after the substance. Amen. Amen. So turn to Hebrews. Chapter 12, that's where we're going to begin this morning. Hebrews chapter 12. How many of you uh, love your mama? How many of you had your mama get on to you? How many of you had your mama get on to you this morning? My mama didn't get on to me this morning. She don't get on to us too much anymore, does she, Dusty? We grown. We know everything now, right? No. Now, how are you gonna shout me down there? But you won't shout me down with, this is my Bible. I'm like, oh, you don't know everything, Pastor. <laughs> I'm kidding. Hebrews chapter twelve. I want to talk to you this morning just for a few minutes, and and uh, I'm gonna to try to do three things. I'm, I'm going to try to to try to uh, soften. I'm going to soften up the ground, and I'm gonna plant some seed in your life that I believe the Lord wants to plant. Specifically concerning how the Lord, how our Father, everybody say my daddy, how your daddy responds to you in life. Uh, Specifically, because I I don't really have a title as much as I, I just kind of want to say, let's take a look and examine how did your mama get on to you? And how does the Lord get on to us? Everybody say, well, what kind of Mother's Day message is that? I believe that my heart is to get it out in such a way that when you leave here, you have a better understanding about the Lord and about your Father, how He corrects us, how He adjusts us. And at the same time, you understand about the aspect of trials in our life and how we are to respond to them and how they affect that response. Are you you with me? I know that's a lot, but just bear with me. Hebrews chapter 12 Excuse me. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Say Jesus is the author and the finisher of my faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You ready? For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted the bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons and daughters, which the Greek specifically says, talking about children of God. My son, do not despise the chastening. Now, the word in the margin of my Bible says discipline. Okay, but I, I'm going to explain that in just a minute. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scorn scourges every son whom he receives scourges basically he spanks every son that he receives can i say it that way uh, <clears throat> let me let me say let me say this uh, some people have the mistaken idea that uh, there's two sides th- there's two sides to this coin some people have an expectation and, and a thought pattern that has been ingrained to them, that when the Lord disciplines, He chastens or He uh, scourges us or He spanks us, He does it in such a way, uh, He does it in, in this way, okay? This way being sickness, disease, poverty, um, humility. Uh, and when I say humility, I don't mean like walk in God, resist the proud but gives grace to the humble. I'm talking about He humiliates you in front of others. Uh, there's this aspect that we serve a vengeful and fiery, wrathful God that when you mess up, you know, we've talked about those things before that He, he beats us, He drags us and inflicts us with certain sicknesses and disease. That's one character, that's, that's one aspect of what people have seen. And then the other aspect is that God is so full of grace and so full of mercy, He just always talks to you like, a, like you know, Mr. Rogers. You know what I'm talking about? Just, it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. Now you don't need to do that. That that'll hurt you. Uh, he never, he never, uh, he never um, allows certain things in our lives to take place so that we may learn from those things. Uh, and so what I'm hoping to do this morning is to bring some clarity on both sides and begin to bring us into the middle of the road, into balance where I believe the, stri- the Scripture is so clear. And at the end, I'm hoping and praying that we'll be so under- that we'll better understand His character and nature that we will actually be like, thank you, Lord, for getting on to me. Because we'll understand what it is He's trying to accomplish. Are you with me? All discipline, and what I like about this verse is he lists three specific things. He lists chastening, rebuking, and then, you know, the spanking comes. So he gets on to you, then he rebukes you, then he spanks you. And I'm going to dissect those words, and I'm going to give you a clear understanding of what that is. Number one, it is a process. God, our Father, uh, no discipline, no correction comes without first... um, Instruction. Everybody say instruction. How can you uh, uh, correct or rebuke or even spank your child when you have not instructed your child? The Bible says train up our children. Train up. train." How do you train somebody without giving them information, without setting those boundaries, without saying, okay, I'm going to instruct you in how to live your life. I'm going to instruct you on how to make your bed. I'm going to instruct you on how to clean your room. I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to, I'm going to show you. I'm even going to help you do it. And then there comes a point where I expect, we expect our children to do those things, right? In accordance with what we've instructed. Now, think about how your mama got on to you. Think about how your mother instructed you. And now I want you to think for a moment, how did your mother instruct you when you were a babe? when you were two, when you were three, when you were four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? And then how does she relate to you now that you are older? And that, New Covenant Church, will give you a picture of how God relates, corrects, and adjusts us. Uh, my, My mother has not spanked me for many, 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 many years. Why? Because... Because I have grown up, I have become an adult, and so now that that form of corrective, uh, uh, um, that corrective vehicle doesn't work on me any longer. Because I'm now an adult, it's not the same. Uh, your parents will instruct you when you are a child on a certain, in a certain way, in a certain manner, in a certain tone of voice. But as you get older, they don't instruct you the same way anymore. It's the same way with our father. I remember as a, young, as a young man in the Lord, growing up in the things of God, there are certain things that the Lord would do for me that He doesn't do for me now because He expects me to walk as an adult. When I was first beginning to walk in an area of faith and believe in God, boy, I mean, it took all I had just to believe God for necessarily $5 or a dollar, or $10. And the Lord would help me in my ignorance. The Lord would help me. Any of you have ever been helped as a young child? So the Lord will help me. The Lord helped me in those areas. But as I've gotten older, He expects me to now exercise my faith, exercise my authority, exercise my dominion on a different maturity level than when I was four years old or three years old or a new babe in Christ. Uh, Let me say it this way. <clears throat> uh, I know that some of you have not known the Lord a long time. Some of you have known the Lord a long time. So, if both of you were sitting in my office and dealing with the same situation, I'm going to be a lot more lenient on the five year old in Christ than I am the 55 year old in Christ. Everybody said amen. Am I being harder? On that individual, am I giving one more grace, a little more grace than the other? No, I'm treating you in relationship to... Guess what? Children in the Lord are children in the Lord. They're going to make mistakes. I can't believe that person cussed. They're five years old in the Lord. They don't know. They've lived their life in a realm of dominion that now we are trying to move them out of and place them into a place of maturity with the Lord. We've got to give them grace, don't we, Brother Barry? We've got to give them grace. Aren't you glad the Lord gave me and you grace as we were coming up? Grace and Mercy. God doesn't expect a, a child, a babe in Christ. Even Paul would said, Paul would relate to the Corinthian church, and he would say, by now you should be adults in the Lord, but you still have need of milk. Oh, well, I mean, Paul was just being harsh. No, he wasn't. He was saying there is a progression of growth, and you have yet to attain that growth because you're being lazy. You don't want to. You want everything given to you. That's a different person than the person Who just is struggling coming out of this, renewing their mind into the things they've lived. I mean, think about this. When you got let's think about when you got born again. If you got born again at 12 years old, or 10 years old, or 13 years old, and you've lived your whole life in that realm, it's a lot easier for you to do certain things and grasp certain concepts than a a man or a woman. Let's say a woman who's lived 45 of years of her life in an abusive, destitute relationship, and now she's supposed to believe that God loves her, period? And yet none of her her father didn't, her stepfather didn't. None of her first two husbands did. And we're going to look at that woman and we're going to say, I can't believe you can't get yourself together. You get yourself together. That's how God God looks at us. Let me tell you something. God is is very confident in himself. And he is not bothered at all by people having a wrong view of who he is. You know why? Because he loves you. He loves me. He's trying to get us to a place where we understand who He is. He is not bothered by those things. For all of those who think that God gets bent out of shape when people have a wrong view of Him, He's not bothered by that. Well, how can you say that? Because on that cross, He said, Father, forgive them because they ain't got the slightest idea what they're doing. And so now, we come to this dispensation and we serve a vengeful God who beats us and spanks us when we get out of line? No. Well, what about correction? Oh, he corrects us. The word chasten means to instruct. Listen, you've you, you got to get out of your mind, my mind and your mind. we got to get out of the mind that the, Lord, uh, um, that, that the Lord, the first thing He does is He spanks us. No, He doesn't. He corrects us. He adjusts us. He gives us instruction. The word chasten describes corrective discipline, listen to this, used in training a child. Such treatment is administered not harshly, but in love with the well-being of the child in mind. Well, I'm going to tell you, when I, study, when I begin to study this and begin to get this, I'm just going to go ahead and prepare you. It convicted me. The first thing the Lord does is he offers instruction. I don't always do that. Now, y'all may be more sanctified and holy than I am, but I don't always do that. I don't always do that with my natural children, and I certainly don't always do that with my spiritual children. But the Lord does. Lord, help. Everybody say, Lord, help me. He chastens us. His mercy and His grace far extends ours. Far. Everybody say far. Far. Uh, The Lord is a whole lot more merciful and gracious with Langston than I am. I consider myself very gracious and and lenient towards Langston. And I would assume that He considers Himself gracious and lenient towards me. But I, I can't even come close. Because the points of frustration that I get with people, the Lord says, it don't bother me. Why is it bothering you? And I do. The Lord says, I got this. How many of you know that in one aspect the Lord is in control and in another aspect he's not in control? How many of you know the plans and the purposes and the will of the Lord will be accomplished in this earth? Now whether or not you and I want to get on board and participate in that is up to us. But it will be accomplished. We have a say, we have a right, we have to cooperate. Everybody say cooperate. Now, it's funny because before he starts talking about despising the chastening of the Lord... I want you to listen to verse one and verse two. Therefore, since we are surrounded, let us who lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily ensnares us, and let us run the race set before us. Three things. You gotta lay aside the weight, you've got to lay aside the sin. And then you got to do something with that. you got to run. We don't don't lay aside the weight. We don't lay aside the sin. And we certainly don't always run. And so that's why the chastening of the Lord comes to us. Because how many of you know, as much as that blood on that cross provided us the ability to stand before Him as if sin never existed, we still have a choice. And what's funny is, as I was doing this, it sounds like works. It sounds like i got to do something. And the Lord says, but I'm the author and the finisher. One One of our daughter's favorite verses, our daughters, plural, is I can do what Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ. You know what that means? The word for all in the Greek. Do you know what the word all means in the Greek? Get your pen out. I want you to write it down. The definition for the word all in Greek is what? All. Everything. There's nothing in your life, oh, I've never said that before. There is nothing in your life that God has ever expected you to do apart from Him. Oh, Lord, I can't quit this habit. There is nothing in your life that God has never intended you to do in your own power apart from, everybody say, Him. I don't know if I can love that man the way you've called me to love. There is nothing in your life that God has not intended for you to do apart from him. Lord, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do this. That's, that's a good place to be. I said, that's a good place to be. You know what? You're right. That is the first. What, what is it? They say, you know, the first step in overcoming problems is admitting that you have one. I can't do this. That's a great play. I love to hear that. I can't do that. You're right. You can't. But in yourself you can't. But with him and through him you can do everything. <clears throat> then he says, verse 3, that tells us, in verse 3 he says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged In your souls. And I like verse 4. This is my translation. As if you have resisted anywhere close to bloodshed and that you have even begun to strive with sin. What is that? That's the poor pitiful me. I can't help it. You don't know what I've been through, Pastor. You ain't resisted to bloodshed yet. Oh, but you don't know what I came up through. You have not resisted to bloodshed yet. Any of you have been in so, so much stress and wrestled with something to such a degree that you begin to sweat blood because the capillaries in your brain begin to pop one by one because of the weight of what you had been through or going through or fixing to go through? That's what Jesus... You ain't resisted. You and I have not resisted, but you don't understand what... I, you don't understand, ladies what I mean. You have not yet resisted. It doesn't mean that I don't sympathize. It doesn't mean that we don't sympathize with you. Listen, there is nothing that is common to man that God has not, Jesus himself has not what? Experienced. I mean, if you're going to cry, I say this as nicely as I can. I'm going to say this as a pastor. If you're going to cry to anybody, go cry to Jesus. He can handle it. But when you cry to man, you reach a point of mercy that and compassion that some people reach a limit. You'll never reach that limit with God. I've had, I've gone to the Lord and said, Lord, I can't do this and laid and sweat and done. I don't know what to do. And the Lord said, are you ready to let me help you do it? And y'all don't know, Lord, if I can do this anymore. <clears throat> and the Lord said, I'm going to teach you how to do. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Anybody resisted the bloodshed yet? No. So he goes through all that. Then he says, despising the chastening of the Lord. Let me tell you something. There's, There's an element of instruction and then an element of rebuke. That sometimes is only needed in people and you never have. There are some children that don't ever get spanked because they don't ever need to get spanked because they change their behavior at number two and sometimes at number one. It's our pride and um, arrogance and just, you know, rebelliousness that wants us to just push the limits. How many of you have done that with God? So, the last but not least is the scourging. The flogging is what that word literally translates into. Uh, let, let me say this. You ever had the Lord rebuke you verbally? If you've walked with the Lord at any given time, have you ever had the Lord get on to you? Do we need to go back to the Pringles explanation? <laughs> then, you know, Don't put the Pringles there. Put them Pringles back because you know better, Right? <clears throat> What did the Lord say to Moses? He said, Take your shoes off, for the place which you stand is holy ground. Well, what did Moses do? Did he start arguing with him? Yes, sir, I'll take my shoes off. Sometimes that's all is But what, what, when does that word of correction come? It comes when we begin to disregard the instruction part of discipline. Or I should say training. We we disregard, the dis, we disregard the instruction and we begin to step out into what we think we should do. And the rebuke of the Lord comes on. I've had the Lord rebuke me. I'm talking about like I had to stop, take my breath rebuke. You know what I'm talking about? You ever had your parents raise their voice at you and get on to you? Like... Abnormally raised, like you know what I'm talking about. We're not talking about raise your voice. Oh my God, raise my voice me. That kind. You ever had the Lord do that to you? Was in the shower one time? And uh, I mean just as clear I heard the Lord say, Stop doing that. And you act like you don't hear it. You ever had the Lord rebuke you? So what about, what about the, the scourging? What about the, the, the rod of correction? Proverbs, you ready? Parents, I'm going to give you three verses. Proverbs 22:15. 15, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Proverbs 23, verse 13 to 14, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. Somebody call d He ain't going to die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol, which is H-E double hockey sticks. Proverbs twenty nine seventeen. discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. So, how does God... Discipline us. Well, I'm glad you asked. Turn to Psalm 119. Psalms 119. Uh, When I was getting ready for this, I'm going to get to the spanking part, okay? Because everybody's like, well, how's the Lord going to spank us? I'm going to get there. Just hang on. One definition said this. Instead of becoming discouraged, the readers should view their persecution as evidence of God's love for them. As His children, bringing them to spiritual maturity. The writer does not suggest that God is responsible for the sufferings that hostile sinners bring upon them, but he does indicate that God uses every and even adverse circumstances as instruments to accomplish his purpose. Now let me tell you something, what I have a hard problem, what I have a problem with that. Number one, I don't see it scripturally. Okay? The only scripture I see is that we know that in all things, if I say all things, God works for the good. Did it say anything about God being the author? Did it say anything about God causing this? Said that we know that in all things God works. Which means the blood of Jesus was so much more than anything we could ever do that now it covers that situation to such a degree. No matter what the enemy does to you, no matter what we do to ourselves, his love, his mercy, his grace will never be reached. Well, what about sin, Pastor? Where sin abounds... Grace. Not just more, much more. How much is much more? You got a $500 payment that's due tomorrow, and I say, I'm going to give you more than what your payment is. How much would you think that would be? Six hundred dollars. But if I said your payment is 500 dollars, I'm going to give you much more than what you need. What would you think that would be? A1,000, 2,500? How much is much more? How much more weight do you need to lose? How much more time do you need? See, we've got to bring it down to something we can relate to. How much more fried chicken do you want to eat? How much more of Granny's homemade cake do you want to take home? Now tell me how much is much more. How much is much more? Where where sin abounds, much more fried chicken and cake and uh, weight you need to lose abounds. I'm trying to get you to understand. Much more, much more. God ain't scared of sin. As if sin is the unpardonable sin. No. Well, I just, I can't believe that they believed that about God. Well, you're the only one because God ain't bothered by it. Because he's got the answer. He's got the solution. Man, that used to bug me. Oh, that used to bug me. Somebody talking about God wrong. Somebody talking about Jesus wrong. I mean, I used to get infuriated. And the Lord said, I can take care of myself. I said, yeah, but Lord, you look like you need help. He's like, I don't need help in that area. I need your help in demonstrating and sharing and exposing my love to people because that's what they need. So how does He correct us? Well, let's go to the Word. Number one, He uses His Word to chasten us. Psalm 119, 105 says what? Thy Word. Did I tell you to turn there a while ago? Okay. What does it say? Say it out loud. Your what? Your what? Is a what? How does God lead us? Does it say anything about thy troubles and circumstances are a lamp unto your feet? Does it say that, bro? No? What does it say? His word. Whose word? Who? What instructs us? All right. Hebrews 4.12. It's all right this morning. A little different. It's okay. Hebrews 4.12. So what does Hebrews 4.12 say? Go ahead, Brother Bill. Y'all better be ready because I might call on you. I'm just telling you. Hebrews 4.12. Try it now. You got the mic on? The floor mic? Tristan? Will? Somebody? There it is. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even into dividing and in sunder of the soul and spirit, and the joint and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What is it? What does the word do? What do you need to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart for? Because you need to know what to do. You need to know whether it's God telling you to do it or whether it's your flesh or your heart being misled. Isn't that what it said? All right. Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2. So the Word is a lamp, so it's a God. Then it says that it's a, it, it cuts us and it says, no, this is right or no, this is wrong. No, this is not according to the Word. This is your flesh. No, this is your... Get your heart back in alignment. Can you see the Word of God doing that? A knife, a scalpel, is not a negative thing if it's used in the correct manner. It can be used for healing and cutting things out of you that don't need to be there. The Word of God does that. What does the Word do? It cuts us. Well, why do we need cutting? I'm glad you said that. Who's got Romans 12? Go ahead. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of his world. But what? Transformed. <laughs> you don't remember that? Trans- Transformer. They don't even play that song. All the new Transformers movie they never played that song. I was like, y'all can't even, you can't honor Transformers correctly without having the song. Transformers, more than meets the eye. Y'all don't remember? All these young kids are going, what you talking about? all do Y'all don't remember GoBots? Come on, am I getting that old, really? Be transformed by the what? By the circumstances and the fiery trials of your life, Sister Is No, by what? Renewing of the... Who's responsible for the renewing of your mind? That who may prove? Who? Well, I just don't know the will of the Lord. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of the God. Whose responsibility is that? So he gives us, a, he gives us the word to renew our minds, and the light of God's word not only illuminates the path, but then when we start getting off, he says, No, don't go that. We'll go this way. And we still think that circumstances and situations is what God uses to teach us something. I gave you three verses that tell you that that's not truth. The first thing He does is He teaches us and instructs us by His Word and uses the light of His Word. Well, what if I ain't reading the Word? Well, that's why I'm up here preaching. You going to tell me that all those people that have gotten saved at Billy Graham's crusades and all the people that have gotten saved at Dad Hagin's and all the people that have gotten saved at all the churches in all the world got saved without hearing the Word? What led them to the cross? Glory to God. The Word. What is the Word? He was made flesh and dwelt among men. Jesus is the Word. The circumstances in your life ain't there to teach you something. Jesus is there. The Word incarnate and the flesh of Jesus was there to teach us something. I'm going to get my I'm preach on now. What else does He use? Number one, He uses His Word. What else does He use? I'm glad you asked. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Come on now, I'm trying to establish a foundation. I know some of this might be repetitive, but I feel like, I sensed in my spirit, we need to take this philosophy and put it in the grave. No, we need to put it in a box, lock it up, and throw it so far in the ocean that Jacques Cousteau himself couldn't find it. God is not using, is not causing the circumstances in your life to teach you something. The circumstances in your life and the things that are happening in your life and in my life, oh, they'll teach us something, but they only teach us something if we refuse to listen to the instruction of the Word of God in our life. Everything that has happened in my life, almost everything, 97. of everything that's happened in my life, I can trace back to I heard a word and I didn't do it. I disregarded it. Number two, John chapter 14, verse 26. You ready? But the helper, somebody say helper. The Holy Spirit whom the Father, my daddy, sent that helper. Your daddy sent us a helper. will send in my name. So he comes in Jesus' name by the Father, our daddy. He will what? Teach us how many things? How many? And bring to your remembrance all things I have said to you. What does he use? What does he use to teach us things? The word and what else? Will those two ever, ever disagree? So really, everybody said, I just want the Lord to speak to me. Lord, speak to me. Read. I don't want this. I want a new word. Read. Trust me, you don't want a new word. You want a word that you already got. Because you're a little too lazy. (laughs) Listen to me. Hang on. You're a little too lazy to find out if the new word you got is even in line with the word that you ain't read yet. Start with this word. I need a word. All right, I'll give you a word. Y'all ready? I'm finished to prophesy. As the Spirit wills. You ready? I, ain't even gonna, I don't need music, and I ain't even going to pray in tongues. I'm just going to prophesy to you. You ready? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Thus saith God, and lean not unto your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. If you're confused, and you don't know which way to go, and you're bound up with fear, and you're bound up with confusion, I suggest you do this word that God has asked us to do. I'm going to give you another word. That's in line with that word, Philippians. Ready? Verse 6, chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. The NIV says do not worry or be anxious for anything. Everybody say nothing. I ain't supposed to worry about nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the what? Which surpasses all understanding regard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Why do we need our hearts and our minds guarded? Because there's going to be every road, every, every element out there yelling to us which way we need to go, and we need the peace of God to guard our hearts and our minds in Him. There's your word. How does God lead? How does God correct? How does God teach His children anything? Number one. And number two. Hang on. John chapter 16. I want to get get it all to you. John chapter 16 verse 13. You ready? However, when He, the Spirit of truth has come. Stop. Has He come? Has the Spirit of truth come? When did He come? Day of Pentecost. He will guide you into all truth. For he, He will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into what? And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them as divided tongues of fire and one set agent. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in tongues. And what did the Apostle Peter say to those that said, Man, these folks are drunk. What did he say? This is that which was spoken and promised. It's arrived. Has the Holy Spirit arrived? How does he lead us? With the Word and with the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14 says this, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, for as many as are led of the Spirit of God, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are. Listen to me, guys. Stop being led by your circumstances. They will lead you right. That's like your flesh. If you are led by your flesh, you will be led the wrong way. Trust me, you don't want me to be led by my flesh as your pastor. If you're sitting in my office and you're wanting some counseling on certain situations, you don't want me to be led by the flesh. You want me to be led by the Spirit. I don't want you to be led by the flesh. Lord knows I don't want you to be led by the flesh. No more than you want me to be led by the flesh. Why? Because I want us to walk in the Spirit. Romans 12, 2 says, For as many As are led by the Spirit of God. Well, Pastor, can't God use circumstances to lead us? He sure can. How does He do that? He does that by you bypassing this first. Sometimes that's the only way to get through. And I'm going to say something too before we ever get to number four. It's not God causing those situations to happen in your life to teach you something. It's you and I being knuckleheaded enough not to listen. And then the circumstances happen because of decisions that we make and choices that we declare and things that we say. And they happen in our life. And we go, Why, God, why? And then some S T U P I D person stands up in the pulpit and said, God is trying to teach you something. No, he ain't. You trying to teach yourself instead of allowing the Spirit of God. Saul missed it. David did not. Who was supposed to be king? Both of them. There are men, there are people in this life that have gone home to be with the Lord prematurely because they refused the instruction, the leading and the correction of the Word of God in their life, and they've gone home to be with Jesus. But guess what? They with Jesus. See, that's the good thing. He's not, bothered by, he's not bothered by them. He's bothered in the sense that He wants every person to come to the full potential of who He is, but it does not debilitate Him to the point of frustration. So what happens if that gets to the place? Matthew chapter 18 Matthew chapter 18 says this. God uses people. Everybody say He uses His Word. He uses His Spirit. But if that don't work, He uses what? People. Matthew 18, verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained a brother. But if he will not hear you, Take with you one or two, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word be established. And if he refuses, who refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. There was one place in Paul where Paul said, um, turn, we, I want you to turn this individual over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his soul may be saved. Now, I'm going to say this because I've never said this before, but I feel it. I just felt it come up in me. This is what I heard the Lord say. Some of you have not seen salvation in areas of your life as it pertains to people and family because you have not yet turned them over, really, to the Lord. If you turn them over to the Lord and you turn it over to the Word of God, then when they begin to go into those areas and the destruction of their flesh is occurring, don't stop it. Because this tells me that the destruction that, that comes as a result of disobedience and rebellion is a buffer. If you don't ever push against this, if there's no resistance, if there's no, some people don't ever get their head straight till they bang their head up against the wall. If you don't provide that wall, their soul may not be saved. God, does, See, God loves us. He he loves us to such a degree, he loves us in spite of ourselves. Ain't that what you say all the time? He loves us in spite of ourselves. So he loves you to the point where he he is more than willing to provide accountability in your life and my life so that when we come up against it, we have hurt, we have pain. You ready? I'm fixing to tell you how he spanks you. You ready? You don't get what you want. You get disappointment. You get frustrated. Are you frustrated in your life? Then look back at what the Lord's been telling you. I've had to do that recently. If I'm frustrated, what is it that God's trying? Listen, God's trying to work something out of us. He's trying to get something out of us. And if we don't respond to His Word and we're not responding to His Spirit, guess what? Whatsoever a man soweth, that will he also reap. But grace and mercy is still there. But we've got to come up against something that causes us to say, What I'm doing is not working. What I'm doing is not working. I asked the Lord one time, I said, Why is that? The Lord said, There's two reasons why things don't work in your life. There's really only two You ready? Number one is a result of you doing something or not doing something that the Lord told you to do. That's one. How many of you know we sow seeds in our life, we reap harvest. I don't understand why I can't get out of debt, because you keep getting into debt. Is that God? I don't understand why I keep getting sick, because you ain't doing nothing to prevent it. I've talked to Langson before. I've talked to Brother Ed before. Uh, There are people in their medical field that they come up against that constantly get sick and they want medication and all they would have to do is make an alteration in their life. Maybe do away with the salt or, you know, do away with the sugar. Get on that thing that we don't like to say, the treadmill and or the bike, and run a little bit, or exercise a little bit. And I mean, a lot of these things would just disappear. Well, we don't want to. There's something in our life. So the things that we get in our life, the chastening of the Lord in our life, the things that happen in our life, sometimes, 90% of the time, I'll say it like that, most of the time is a result of us. We're doing something. We're making a decision, or we're not making a decision. Are you with me? What's the second one? Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13 you don't have to turn there I'm going to read it Matthew chapter ter- 13 says this He who sows the good seed is the is the son of man the field who who sows the good seed verse 37 the son of man Jesus the field is the world the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom but the tares are the sons of the wicked one no that's the wrong one excuse me Verse, I saw seed and got misplaced. Verse 18, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches it away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received this. I'm not going to go through all this. I'm, I'm after number two. You ready? Ready? Verse 20, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of what? There's only two reasons. Either you and I let go, or he comes against us and we let go. I mean, even disobedience, even, even when we put ourselves in a position where we make a decision and we cause the thing to happen in our life, is still turning away from the Word. The enemy's going to come against you. When you leave this building today, the enemy will come at you. He will say, oh, you, come on, he don't even know what he's talking about. You and I know, and your grandma and your grandpa and your mom and your daddy and everybody done told you, you remember that preacher from 30 years ago when you got born again? He done told you that God uses the things in our life to teach us something. I've just given you seven or eight verses that tell you that's not true. He uses His Word, He uses His Spirit. And when you, this relational, glory to God, He's a relational God. He talks to you first. There is no prophecy that is going to come to you that God ain't already told you first. Because if it happens, he just violated his order that he set in place. Because he said in Romans 12, 2, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Don't you be led by no prophecy. Prophecy should be the icing on the cake. Prophecy is used a lot of times to rebuke somebody. Why? Because you ain't doing what God told you to do. And I ain't doing what God told me to do. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You and I ain't getting it. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to bring somebody who's sharper than you, and he's going to say, Brother, and y'all going to start clashing. Sparks are going to fly. It's for our good. And last but not least, 1 Corinthians 5, 5 is where Paul said he turns us over to our own devices. Listen, if you ain't going to listen to the Word, if you're not going to listen to the Holy Spirit, and you're not going to listen to your brothers and those that care about you, there's nothing we can do. From your standpoint, there's nothing else that can be done. Ah, but from our standpoint, there is. Because I can get on my knees, and I can say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to remove everything in Bill's life that is a distraction. Father, if he needs to run up a brick wall, let him run up a brick wall. Don't hurt him. Protect him. Guard him. But knock him out so much where he he ripped You don't knock him out. But, you know, well, you know, the Lord and Job. Look at Job. One person in the Bible that people create a doctrine from. I don't have all the answers for Job. But anybody that I've ever talked to about Job, they always want to talk about the first part of Job. They don't want to talk about the last part where he got everything back plus, much more. Was it double? That's much more. You need $500 and you get $1,000. I would consider that much more. Come on, guys. God loves us. He loves us. He's not interested in hurting us. Let me close with this. I ain't getting getting none of it. But I want to honor the mothers. Let me say this in closing. Some of the ways that we attribute God and how He works and how He moves and how He operates in our lives... If those same attributes and characteristics were the same for our earthly parents or parents of children that we knew, we would call defects on them like that. Some of you need to allow the Holy Spirit to be a spiritual defects to you and to me. The Department of Spiritual Families and Child Safety, is that one? (laughs) The Department of Family and Child Services. You and I need to be a part of the spiritual department of family and child services and allow the Holy Spirit to go, "Mm mm-mm, that ain't me. Lord, I don't know why you gave me this cancer. That ain't, mm mm-mm, that ain't me. God ain't got no cancer. Uh, Cancer can't even live. There, There is no, the word cancer only exists because it's an absence of the life of God. Cancer, you know what cancer really is? Rebellious cells. Isn't that right? Rebellious cells that infect other rebellious cells. Stand with me. Listen to me, guys. Oh, he loves us. Why would He tell us to resist the very person that's causing these things if it was His will for Him to cause them? Do you see how confusing that is? I mean, I just confused myself. And I got it in my notes. Why would, he, why would He choose to use something to confuse us and then tell us to do something that He really wanted us to have, but then we still fighting? Well, the Lord... Brother, is using those circumstances in my life to teach me something. Then stop trying to fix the circumstances in your life and live in it. Wouldn't that make sense? If God is using something in your life to teach you something, then I would assume in order for us to get rid of that thing that is teaching us something, we would need to allow it to teach us. So go home and get rid of all the headache medicine in your house. Well, that's extreme. No, it's not extreme. That other hogwash is what's extreme. God is a God of love and a God of grace and a God of mercy. And he is such a God of faith that he even says, I desire that none should perish. I mean, my desire, God's desire is none, but that all come. He's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to get you. He is working something out in us. And we don't have to learn it the hard way. Only a a proverb says, I don't remember the street address, but proverb says only a fool learns everything by his own experiences. (laughs) Lacey goes, I wouldn't do that. I did that one time before and it hurt well i got to learn this from myself. <clears throat> Did you learn it? Yeah. You would have learned it if you hadn't stuck your finger in there to begin with. God has given us these things to instruct us, to help us. You believe that? I, I, listen, your mama didn't do it to you. Guess what? God ain't trying to do it to you. Your daddy who loves you is not trying to do it to you. He loves you. Amen? Amen. All right, now do one more thing for me. Sit down. I'm going to pray for us after we acknowledge the mamas. So I want all the mamas, or mothers-to-be, stand up. All the mamas. Come on, let's honor them, guys. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, mamas. All the kids, yeah. Kids, I want all of y'all to go You want them to come there? All right, all the mamas, come back there. Are the kids? No. All the kids, go back there towards Miss April. That's the pastor's wife, by the way. That beautiful mama right there. You want all the mamas to go, okay, all the mamas come forward. This is what we did last time. All the mamas come forward. Oh, someone. Beep, 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 beep. All the mamas. All the mamas up here? Good looking, but Let's give them all a round of applause and honor one more time. Alright, all the kids ready? Alright, kids, y'all come up and give all the mamas a rose. Alright, I want all the kids to stay up. When you give the mama the rose, stay up there with your mamas. And if the mamas are here and their kids aren't here, make sure every mama gets a rose. Thank you, Lord. It's a good-looking bunch of mamas right there, ain't it? All right. All the mamas got a rose. Now I'm going to ask the uh, if your mother is up here. I want the the kids of the mother to come and stand with the mother, lay hands on the mama. Everybody up? Come on, y'all go lay hands on your mama. Anybody else need a rose? Any mama needs a rose? Everybody got a rose? Miss Carrie, you don't have a rose? Will you go get Miss Carrie? All right. Y'all ready? We're going to pray. Now, this year, I, re- I in my heart, and then uh, me and April were talking, and she confirmed it without even knowing what I said. I want. The kids to pray. So I want three volunteers, three volunteers to come pray. Here, come on. One, two, three. Anybody else? Okay, I'll tell you what. Any of the kids want to pray? Any kid want to pray? Come stand right here. If y'all get long winded, it'll be fine. It is fine. Any of the kids want to pray, you're fine, okay? All right, y'all ready? Close your eyes. Everybody, close your eyes. You ready, little man? I'm going to start with you. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to let you pray, okay? Aiden. Father God, we thank you so much. Everybody stand up and let's honor the mother. Stretch your hands forth towards them. Father, we thank you so much for our mothers. Oh, Father, thank you that our mothers, our earthly mothers, are I would venture to say that are more like you than sometimes our earthly fathers or any other being. You've given mothers such an ability to, to have a motherly love towards their children, that they take care of us, they tend to us, they are merciful towards us, they are kind and generous towards us. And so, Lord, today we just stretch forth our hands and we ask you to bless all of our mothers on Mother's Day. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead, Aiden. You pray. Is it not on? Hang on. Y'all got me on back there? Uh-oh. Sorry. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead. Thank you for everybody, for everybody. Thank you. Amen. You go ahead, little test. Go ahead. You can press. Thank you, Lord, for taking care of us for all this years. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done for us and watching over us. And I just want to thank you for everything you've done for blessing us with these wonderful mothers today. Thank you, God. Amen. I don't want to do it. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I just thank you that we have mothers and that. We are able to live on this earth because you blessed us with a mom and you. I, I just ask you to, I'm thankful for all these mothers today. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray that we will have a beautiful Mother's Day and that I thank you for all these mothers that they are able to, to watch over us and take care of us and bless us. And I just pray that they will be, they will have a blessing and that they are a blessing too. In Jesus' name. Father God, I just pray that you will help us realize how much our, we need our mothers and that this is a special day for all mothers, mothers. And I just pray that I just thank you for our mothers. Amen. You want to try one more time? You sure? Okay. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Any other kid want to pray? No? You want to pray? Anybody else want to pray? Well, Father, we thank you once again for these mothers. Lord, we declare a blessing over them today and the rest of this year. Lord, that you would take them to places that they've never been. Lord, that you would energize them to places and things that they have never that they've never experienced in the name of Jesus and that, Lord, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper for this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and these are your handmaidens in the Lord and that you would bless them, that you would cause fruitfulness to come on them, that everything they put their hands to would prosper and that the world would see that they are blessed because you love them as you have loved Jesus. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Go and be blessed. Have a wonderful Mother's Day. And we will see you Wednesday night.